This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. For a limited time only, get a free Utah Jazz signed Joe Ingles jersey when you open a new dream checking account with direct deposit at Cypress Credit Union. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. You sound happier and more upbeat. Is that because you haven't got a technical foul and you haven't had to get lectured when you go home recently? You've been keeping it. You've been living on the right side of the line, Joe. Um. Nah, the technicals don't phase me either way. <laughs> that's, that's not that's not going to ruin my day. Um, no, I'm just, I, you know, the the best thing about it is I think I'm just enjoying the weather. I'm so glad the sun's uh, finally out, properly, like out, and it's shining and it's hot. I'm with you. I think a lot we of people all, are. We all are. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's been bizarre, so I'm glad that. I woke up this morning and my lawn was being mowed and I could stand outside and have a coffee and it was a good start to the day. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm wondering how amusing you found that ESPN story that you're leading the league in something or other because in our time with you, it's quite apparent that of all the NBA players I've ever been around, you probably care least about personal statistics. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's (laughs) it's funny because I... I mean, I genuinely really don't care. Um, again, I said it in the, the article with Tim, but I everyone was telling me about this stat, and I'm like, I have no idea what this thing is. Like, so I, I, I did check it out. I tried to, like, Google it to see, and I still had no idea what it really meant. And then I still honestly don't really care. Um the only thing that made me laugh one time, I think it was last week, is it came up about when I was shooting from three, close to 50 or 49 or whatever it was. And um, I think it was a coach basically made a joke saying, well, it just shows that you're not shooting enough if you're shooting that good a percentage, like you need to shoot more. So I was like, all right, well, I'll try to shoot some more. So um, that it is what it is. It's, whatever cool or whatever people can write an article about it get their clicks but uh i couldn't care less so i get the not caring about the individual stat but the fact is one of the reasons the team has such a good record is because they have so many people who are so efficient when they shoot the ball i mean you can do a bunch of things great in a game but if you can't shoot the ball that's what they give you the points for 
That's how they decide who wins. And it doesn't matter if it's free throws, if it's stuff in the lane, if it's three-pointers. You are very efficient. So whichever coach told you, whether it was Quinn or one of the assistants, who said you need to shoot more because you're that efficient, they are 100% on target. But I also feel like watching you play, that message has has been sinking in. You've probably heard a lot, and you're absorbing it. Am I right? For sure. Um, and not a lot in a bad way, as in over, overdoing it or anything, but um, just being, I guess, aware of the fact that I can be a bit more aggressive. Obviously, with, with Mike and Donovan out too, there's 50 extra shots to take between those two. Um, just aggressive, being more assertive. Um, the Spurs, for example... Pick and roll going to my left um, to try and stop my, my drive going left. And that's why, I mean, I, I think I missed the first three or four or something. But coach was like, that's a show you get. Like, um, so that first time out, it was like, all right, Rudy set it, set it a little bit lower and I'm going to shoot it every time. And I'm, obviously, I feel like eventually, even if I miss a, a couple of them, I'm going to make some. Um, so I just had to kind of had to stick with it, I guess, and um, that, that's probably a little bit of the difference of in the past, um, probably not kind of more recently, but like earlier on in my career, if I missed those first couple, I was a lot more hesitant to, to keep firing them up, um, where, like, regardless of percentages or field goals or like whatever these stats mean, um, I've just got to keep shooting the shots that are, are there for me to take. And um, obviously, I feel like um, the, the last couple of years, how, how good my shots felt, uh, I feel like at some point I'm, I'm going to make shots. So, um, yeah, just trying to be aggressive and, and aware of the situations that I can be aggressive and can get a shot. Because um, I think we saw that there was a few possessions even last night that we get we don't take some shots that are that are good shots because we're trying to get a better shot, but then we end up getting stuck in late clock. And I said it to Trent a couple of times. Like Trent was almost getting, it was like it was he, him getting stuck with the ball with five seconds a bunch of times. So we've uh, we, we've got to take the shots as a team when they're there. Um, and as unselfish as we are, we've got to take. Um, even though we think we can get a better shot, sometimes we're still going to be able to take um, that those good shots. So I think a lot of Jazz fans, because they've never won a title, they, they're scarred and they think that if there's something that can go wrong, it will go wrong, and they worry about stuff. And now it seems like the latest worry is, oh, my gosh, things are going well and guys are playing well. But what's going to happen when Conley and Mitchell get back? I mean, what's going to be able to be done to make sure everybody's playing at a high level? How much concern do you have about those guys being able to come back and jump right back into it? Uh, zero. That answers your question. <laughs> yes, it does, and that's what I thought your answer would be. Uh, but I, mean, I don't get—I get don't get why people get worry. Exactly. Let's not get it twisted. We won. I don't know how many games in the year before they like say before Donovan did his ankle. What was our record? Our record was like I don't know forty something and eight or ten or eleven or something. Like we won all those games with our full team. Like, I missed a couple. Mike might have missed a couple early on. I think Donovan missed one. Um, 
I think I like out of anyone. I think I probably missed the most in that first like half of the year with the four games. I sat out with my Achilles. Um, so let's not get it twit like there's no magic potion that they're out. We're playing well. Like we were playing probably better with those guys in our team. Um, like yeah, we've had to figure out different ways at the moment. Like Trent's come in and played well. Um, different guys, JB Jarrell's come in and played well. Spot his kind of spot minutes. Like these guys have come in and played well. And I think I think that's a good thing for our group. If something does happen, knock on wood, later on in the the year or in the playoffs, we've got guys that are confident to be able to come in and, and, and play meaningful minutes. Uh, I think Trent's probably the most obvious one to the eye because he's, he's been out there with our main group for, for big stretches. Um, but, like, JC's had to, to take more responsibility. I've played basically full-time point guard except for when Trent's in the game, uh, which is, is different for me. Um, like, George starting it. He, he's played really well. Boyan's... Um, Definitely kind of up his, his level and probably just more his efficiency taking taking the shots we wanted him to take early on in the year um, and obviously also making them. Um, but when those guys come back, it doesn't change. I mean, it's, we've got two more pretty pretty special players that are going to come in and be aggressive and play their games and, and we'll all figure it out. I'll go back to the bench and George will go back to the bench and we'll, we'll uh, kind of go back to how we will play early on um, You know, I thought there were a couple of really interesting things in that story that ESPN.com did on you and the your your true shooting percentage and all that. There were a couple nuggets in there. And one was you talked about a specific play that bugged you, a coach must have queued it up, where uh, Trevor Ariza was in the paint getting ready to take a charge and they throw the ball to you and your three-point shot at that point is so long and so slow that he's able to get all the way out and contest it and you, your quote sounded like you were horrified. I mean, I read it, I didn't hear it, but having interviewed you enough here on, on your radio show, it just sounded like you were horrified and there was a big motivator for you to change your game. How de- can you tell people how deep a dive and how detailed these individual film sessions are, and how much some of this stuff sticks with you? Yeah, it's, it's almost like uh, one of those things that you like go to bed thinking about. Because it was my, I think it was my first year. It was it was early on in my career, probably my first year or two. Um, and at that point, Trevor was probably in his prime, kind of late twenties, early thirties. And I, I just remember, like, like whoever driving the ball and throwing it to me, and kind of in my mind, like, sweet, I'm going to get a nice, like, open look. Um, and at that stage of my career, I wasn't probably shooting well, or I was barely shooting, so to get an open look was nice. And he was, he was literally in the paint, and he, he, I think, he could, like contested the hell out of it, or he might have even blocked it. Like it was one of those two things that, like. It was almost that welcome to the NBA of like, all right, like I'm not going to get my shot off if I don't speed it up or kind of become more efficient with like the mechanics of catching it and getting it to my my shot pocket and shooting it. And um, yeah, I mean you break it down with coach, with your individual coach, um, and it's, it's an emphasis, I guess, in my what was an emphasis in my in my shooting sessions going forward of like. If I want to play here and I want to play well and I want to help the team and I want to 
stay on the court, um, I'm going to have to figure this out. And um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a a moment that has stuck with me because I, I still remember it to this day. But yeah, I just had to, I guess, it opened my eyes to like, oh, I'm going to have to put in the work to to get in the gym and, and get my shot off quicker and figure it out. And, um, I remember like also those first few sessions, like you missing a ton of shots because it's, it's not that I changed my technique of my shot, but the, the speed of it needed to be like almost like <laughs> like double the speed that it was. Like I would, we've talked about it here, but like catch it, kind of drop it down and then bring it back up. It was like almost to the point where I'm at now where like wherever I catch it, I, I need to shoot it from. So um, yeah, it was a lot of time and effort and um, kind of lonely nights or days just kind of shooting and shooting and repetitive and um, but I obviously feel like it got me to the point where I'm at now where if I catch a high I can shoot it from there if I catch a lower I feel like the speed from getting it from my hip or even like there's been um, passes where they've kind of like got deflected and they bounce to you and they're almost rolling and you've got to like pick it up and shoot it from that position because of the shot clock so any of those positions in time now I, I feel like very confident that I can make the shot, but um, yeah, it's a it's a process. I think yeah, everyone goes through it. Whatever level you've played at, there's there's no um, more athletic or fast or, or whatever league in the world than the NBA. So if you're in the NBL in college in Europe, wherever you are, the, the speed is is doubled or tripled or, or whatever it is. So um, everyone goes through it to to a certain extent. Yeah, and we've seen that, and we've that, that that one where you catch it around the neck and be able to shoot it or even higher has really been a phenomenal uh, progression and advancement in your game. I'm wondering about that finger roll that you had. I hadn't seen that or seen that many times. I mean, and it was against the Spurs, and I don't know if you know of a guy named George Gervin who back in way back perfected that finger roll. Is that something you practice? Um, I have shot it before. I actually thought I was going to be like at the, the position I was um, I was going to like ball fade, I was going to shoot a floater and he kind of backed off even more than big and I realised probably too late that he backed off and I still could have shot a, obviously still could have shot a floater because nobody was there but I just figured a layup's a bit easier and probably a high percentage thing going to shoot a floater, shoot a floater a little bit too long. It's coming off the back rim. At least if I lay it up, I've, I've got the rim and the backboard to, to kind of let it roll around and, and hopefully drop in. So, um, yeah, I definitely wasn't planning to shoot that, but at last kind of split second, I realised he dropped off, and I just wanted to, I wanted to just make a shot. To be honest with you, so whatever I had to do <laughs> for it to go in. Uh, you also talked in that story about as you shorten the motion, and we've seen it, you can now catch a pass right on your forehead and shoot it in one quick motion. It is like the shortest, quickest, most efficient shot I could uh, I could imagine. But I've also seen enough passes hit you in the forehead. I, I'm at the point I don't really believe that's an accident anymore. How much are your teammates dialed into all of this and aware of where you need the ball? And they're really precise with where they throw it. Yeah, I mean, we've got um, little, like, I don't know, like, sayings or jokes within the team um, or, or coach, like, coach, you guys know, coach, coach comes up with, like, some crazy-ass name for, like, everything. 
So um, there was one day that I don't know what point it was. It was probably, I'm, I'm assuming it was after a day we had like 30 turnovers and he was probably losing his mind and was 15 coffees deep at 5 a.m. and hadn't slept. And um, one of those days and he, he came in talking about throw, like throwing strikes. Like if we, if we want to be a good team, we want to obviously help our, our teammates out by passing the ball well for, for me to get Donovan a shot. And, and again, it goes back to a little bit of that is like the, the time that you have to actually shoot the ball. Like it's, if you get a bad pass, it can affect you actually being able to catch and shoot the ball. And we've got, we've got guys that catch and shoot the ball at a, a really high level. I don't know how, what percentage anyone shoots or anything, but I know for a fact the way we shoot the ball at practice and in games, like we've got a team that can, can shoot the ball at a high clip. So if we, throw strikes then we were actually like we're obviously about to be able to shoot the ball and, and, and make the make the shot. So um, we put a lot of emphasis at uh, granted we haven't had many practices this year but um, I on throwing like so if it's five on zero we'll be like scripting through some offense, going through what we want to run for the next game or whatever it is and if you don't throw a strike and it's a bad pass, like we're redoing the offense. Like coach is making the that group go again and like redo the whole, like the, the whole play or set or whatever we're doing. So, I mean, guys are dialed into it because we don't have a choice. Like, coach is going to hold us accountable to it, which is 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 good. And it's it, like even the players to a certain extent. Like sometimes you think coach is overdoing it with some things, or like does it does it make that bigger difference or, or whatever? But it, it really does, and I think our guys dial into those things, and we we try and be as good as we can at them. I think like the turnovers is is another one. Like we we do have games of of high turnover games, and some of them it's like we we are an unselfish team. We're going to move the ball. We're going to pass the ball. We're going to have more turnovers than other teams because we are unselfish. But it's the it's the bad turnovers that hurt you the most. The ones where, like, the, I had one like I threw it to Rudy in transition and it bounced off his hip or whatever. Like, those ones, like, that was a bad one because, one, Rudy was running full speed and I threw it way too hard. But um, that's just an example of a, a bad one. Like, if you are driving under the hoop and trying to find Rudy late or trying to kick it out for a better shot or something like that. It's, it's a different turnover to to a live ball turnover, which gets them in transition, and then we're running back and we have to Euro foul or, or we're giving up an and one because we're late on, on running back in defense. So um, we, we do take pride as a team on those, those little details, um, and, and I think it makes a difference. You can roll your eyes sometimes thinking coach is a little crazy, but... Um, he, he knows what he's talking about, and, and and our guys dial in on it, dial in on those things, and, and try and do it when we can. So this is a get what you need day for the Jazz, and Joe Ingles has everything that he could possibly need. What does he want or do on a get what you need day? Um, I literally just drove into the parking lot of the facility right now. I'm sitting in the car park. There's Nobody else here. I think Mike uh, Elliott's here and a couple of our trainers. Um, so I dropped Jacob at school, came in, had to speak to you, knuckleheads, and then, yeah, I'll just go in, get some recovery, get some treatment. Um, for me, it's especially with 
the guys out at the moment, just about the, re- the re- recovery um, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, get some recovery in for the next probably couple of hours. I'll be here and then get home by lunchtime, have some lunch with Renee and go pick up the kids from school later, probably take them to the park or out, like in, out, out, out of the backyard or whatever, get in the sun and um, that'll be about it. So a relaxing day for me. American life for an Australian. I like it. Trying to be as un-American as... <laughs> you know me. There's, if, if, if there's going to be one person that's trying to stay uh, stick to his roots of, of Australia, it's me. Well, I don't know how you handle here in Australia or down in Australia, but here in America, as guys, we try not to mess up Mother's Day, and I would recommend uh, Pajama Gram or Minky Couture, but for no particular reason. That's just me. Just throwing it out there. That sounds uh, like a cheap, a cheap, uh, quick gift that you forgot to, it was Mother's Day, and you're like, "Quick, let me go get a blanket." Those are classy, high end gifts, and bite your tongue. Well, you make sure you take a, you take care of Renee. Renee, I uh, she's probably not listening to this because I don't know what she's doing right now. But uh, like, she's not. She's on the board of uh, Show Up. Though you should, uh, everyone should get on board of that. So she's yeah, help. I saw that. What is that about? Um, we're with Spencer Cox's wife, um, who's, what do they call her? The first lady of Utah or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. but basically kind of, uh, unifying, I guess, unifying, um, kids with special needs or disabilities to, to be included with, um, the, the regular kids at, at school. So instead of, the, the school having a basketball team for the special needs kids and a basketball team for the, the I don't even know what you call the regular quote unquote normal kids. Um, they're unifying them and, and putting them together so that the, the, the special needs kids get to, to blend in with them and, and vice versa. They both get a, a taste of kind of what it's like and, and the, you know, I guess the whole, Inclusion and, and not letting anyone feel not wanted or unappreciated or, or anything like that. So it's uh, something that obviously we're passionate about with, with Jacob anyway. Um, but to be able to get, I think it's in a, a few schools in Utah here, but we're, well, not we, Renee and the board that, that she's on um, with Abby Cox and, and Ash, I think Ryan Smith's, uh, Smith's wife is on it as well. Um, trying to get it in basically in every school so that the, the option is there. And it's, um, I mean, I think it's something that's extremely important. I think not just in, in schools, but in every workforce and job and company, I feel like it, someone with autism or invisible disability or whatever it is, shouldn't be not included or not looked at for a job just because of, of what they're dealing with. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And it gives, Renee, uh, a hell of a lot of work to do, which she's, she's excited about. I don't know if you follow Abby Cox on social media, and I don't know how much you know about the whole picture with the Bidens and the Carters and all that, but uh, Abby Cox with a hilarious take. I retweeted it, and uh, you can go check it out on Twitter. It'll crack you up. <laughs> you retweeted it to your nine followers? Uh, yeah, right, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> What a, I'm telling you about it so you can retweet it to your million followers and people can enjoy it in multiple hemispheres. Six of your nine followers are in your studio with you right now. Uh, actually, there's no one in the studio with me. It's still COVID times here. Uh, well, that sucks for you guys. 
Uh, not for PK, not so much. It'll change soon. <laughs> yeah, right? All of us will be back together, and we'll get Renee and the kids in the studio. We will, actually. We'll do that, for sure. We'll yeah. do a live show. That'd be awesome. We're up for it. Cool. All right, Joe, we appreciate it. You get your uh, treatment and your recovery, and uh, we will watch you play the Nuggets, and then we will talk to you again next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We will get you up to speed on everything you missed in this show next. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Yeah, I mean, we've got little, like, I don't know, like, sayings or jokes within the team, um, or, or coach, like, coach, you guys know, coach, coach comes up with, like, some crazy-ass name for, like, everything. So, um, there was one day that, I don't know what point it was, it was probably, I'm, I'm assuming it was after a day we had, like, 30 turnovers and he was probably losing his mind and was 15 coffees deep at 5 a.m. and hadn't slept and one of those days, and he, he came in talking about throwing strikes. Like, Oh, PK. Yes. We slash I got called out about talking about turnovers, and then <laughs> Joe drops. We had 30 turnovers, and Coach was losing his mind. Yeah, I'm the only one who worries about turnovers. Okay. I thought we might hear that. <laughs> I thought we wouldn't hear it till tomorrow. I didn't know that we would hear it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I went straight into Yag and said, cut it up. Uh, Early in the show, we did a segment. Oh, Yag, I'm supposed to do something, aren't I? I am being inappropriate to our friends at the warehouse. Join Hans and Scotty G Friday at the warehouse from 10 to 2. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. I'll give you a double boom. Boom, boom. Boom! There it is. And That's boom, there was Joe saying that turnovers blow Quinn's mind. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to replay that for yeah, a lot tomorrow. Absolutely. I, just didn't, I didn't think you were going to play it immediately, though. Well, we have to bring it up because you said that uh, I had gotten called out, but I think it goes to a bigger point. And it goes back to what we were just talking to Joe about, and he doesn't get how they figure out the true shooting efficiency. But when you look at guys' field goal percentage, it doesn't tell you the whole story. Some guys shoot a lot. But in the process, they get fouled a lot, and they crush it at the free throw line. So to just look at a guy's shooting percentage doesn't tell the whole story because numbers do lie. You are right when you say you can cook up some numbers and you can spin it and make the point you want to make a point. So you got to dig a little deeper and consider, hey, this guy does dig shoot a lot, a but he gets deeper. to the free throw line a lot, and that's <laughs> where they're crushing teams. And so this stat helps figure that out. It was Joe to get to the free throw line a lot? Uh, enough that when he gets there, it makes an impact co- combined with how well he does shoot in the paint now, yeah, his that, floater and his layup, and how, how well much, he shoots his three. How much icing do I want on my cake? Yeah, there's some of that. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. Um, but I think the thing, the, the bigger picture here with the Jazz is they do a, they do a lot of things really well. I mean, this is not, they, they've not fluked their way to the best record in the NBA. They are oh. very good defensively when they set up their defense. They are very good offensively when the ball is moving. And if you're going to beat the Jazz, 
you need to get out on the break. Now, turnovers aren't the only way to do that, and not all turnovers will get you out on the break. The three-second call and the charge and the travel, you, the, the whistle blows, the ball stops, the defense gets back and gets set up. We understand that. But when they don't, long rebounds off their missed threes or the, the turnovers above the free throw line, teams really need to run against the Jazz because otherwise your, narrow, your, your path to victory is really narrow. And these guys have lost. You mentioned their record earlier, and honestly, I don't know it, and you nailed it. Um, what, what are they? Is that 48 and 18 now? 48 and 18. And I'll bet you at least half those losses are scheduled losses. They're playing back-to-back, three games in four days. They're traveling. The other team's rested. At one point, they had to go play nine games out of ten on the road. You know, you're going to drop a few in there. You just are. And with the injury to Donovan, you knew there'd be an end to Conley, too. You knew there'd be a couple more losses in there. A lot of these are just going to happen. Jordan's the GOAT, and he had all the motivation in the world after losing the playoffs. And even he lost ten games. You're always going to lose some. I think some of these games— I think. Oh, I thought you were talking about Clarkson. Um, when you said Jordan's the goat, oh no, no, Michael Jordan. I was talking about Michael Jordan in their their ten loss season. Um, right now, everyone's obsessed about number one, and the Jazz lost all three games to the Timberwolves, which shouldn't have happened. But they had eighteen loss or eighteen turnovers in one, and twenty in the other. And if you break them down, I'll bet we and I haven't, Man, I but can't I'll wait for it tomorrow. I'll bet we find a bunch of turnovers above Yuck, the break. bring some popcorn tomorrow. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. You knew, it would be when you, knew, you knew it would be when you heard it. You're like, There's oh, going to be fireworks. This is too good. Locke versus but David James in this the headliner. Goes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Battle Royale. We just got to come up with a good undercard on this bad boy. I, just, I, I don't know, man. This is... This is the main event. Yeah. Two, two stat nerds going at it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to sit back. But, I'm, I'm going to say good morning, and that's it, and get out of the way. All of this also builds up to the point that we should make for the 9 o'clock listener, because you made it a couple times this morning. All these things I'm talking about, they all blend together and help pass the eyeball test, which is why you are feeling so optimistic about the way things are going for the Jazz. Well, and, and another thing, too, and I knew you were going to bring up the turnover thing. Once Joe said it, I said to myself, well, we haven't heard the end of this. Yeah! And then it's, uh, <laughs> you like to, I sort of brush off criticism. You you attack it with uh, whatever you attack it with, and you got Gusto! Gusto! Well, I Vigor! Meant, I, meant, I didn't mean emotion. I meant evidence. Uh, whatever evidence you're, you're going to be analytically based in your argument. That's right? probably I, true. I'm going to be more passionate and just try to outscream the other guy, and you're going to try to back it up with some evidence is what I was getting at. So that, that that's fine, and I knew it was coming. The thing that I liked uh, as far as jazz fans and others, folks, right, media maybe, to worry about, okay, how are they going to integrate these two very good players when they come back and what's your level of concern and Joe said zero and I I think that uh, that's important because I believe it maybe not zero uh, but you know Joe uh, as as a player show no weakness all that stuff that's important you know I do have some I don't have as much nervousness about reincorporating them as I do is what is their level of health 
if their level of health is okay, then I think the reincorporation will be fine. If it's not okay, well, then you got issues. Maybe it's maybe they don't show up in the first round, but this is a team that isn't about the first round. It's about uh, getting to the conference final. Getting to the conference final is absolutely a legitimate goal, and then we'll see who's there as far as being able to beat them, although I think that's a legitimate goal too. So in that regard, it would be getting to the NBA final, but I'm getting way ahead of myself here. And I think guys like Joe are super important to the cause because Joe comes over into the NBA at 27, which is late. You know, they talk about these missionaries need to come out because they're 23. Or if you're a senior, you're viewed as uh, damaged goods in a sense. You're too old. I remember we talked to Jim Beheim about that, about Elijah Hughes, and he scoffed. And said, what are you talking about? If you get a 10 years out of the guy and he comes out as a senior, that only puts him at like 33. That's ridiculous. Well, Joe comes over at 27, and where I'm going with this is that he wanted to establish himself in the NBA, and so he did, and he's gotten the what is a very, very good contract, maybe not the huge money, but in layman's terms, it's huge money, which he's acknowledged. So the point I'm making is that when these guys come back, you need a guy like Joe who could help you, but doesn't give a crap in the least about his stats or FGAs. He's not trying to make his mark to get something better. He's already made his mark. He's entrenched in the community. His wife's on uh, the Governor Cox's wife's committee. I mean, they, these, these people from Australia could couldn't be any more cemented in our community than that they are. And you see that in his play. So when Conley and Mitchell come back, you don't have to worry about Joe taking fewer shots and have it be a problem. He doesn't care. All he cares about is winning. And you need that type of unselfishness. You need to have all folks going in the same direction to make sure the goal is to win the game. So that's another reason why I don't have as much concern about those two players coming back is because a guy like Joe Ingles isn't interested in any personal stats. All he's interested is in winning. So we talked a lot of jazz today. We did talk playoff race. It was completely predictable. We both expected we expected a lot of things, uh, a lot of things to happen based on what we've seen before. We both thought the Spurs were going to compete with the Jazz. They were better rested, better prepared. They had two days to you know figure out what they'd done wrong on Monday. They didn't have to get on an airplane and fly. And it was going to, and, and all, all the reasons we thought the Spurs were going to be better, and they got blown out in the first half. But we also thought. The Suns coming off an overtime game in Cleveland were going to be in trouble going to Atlanta against a team that is better than their record. They changed coaches. They flipped the switch. They've gone 23-10. and 10. Nate McMillan has got them on track. And sure enough, that game was 71-70 with nine minutes to go in the third quarter. And then uh, Phoenix ran out of gas, and Atlanta crushed them 135-103. to So the Jazz are now a game in front of the Suns. And there's six to go, and you were listening to a little uh, Phoenix radio. You're, I guess you're watching Phoenix TV, and they were talking about the Suns' schedule down the stretch with the four road games and uh, <clears throat> a shortage of lottery teams available. While the Jazz are playing the Thunder and the Kings and the Rockets, uh, Phoenix gets none of those guys. Correct. And so the schedule turns t- tougher at the end. They're all playoff teams. Whether all those playoff teams will be playing remains to be seen. I mean, the players on the playoff teams. 
because they got the Lakers Sunday, and who yeah. knows with Le- LeBron right. and even Anthony Davis at that point. But figures to be, you've got teams that are jockeying for playoff positions. So even if an individual isn't there, there should be some sense of urgency yes. for the team because everyone, literally everyone in the West, is trying to improve its playoff seating. Those who are involved in the playoff hunt are trying to improve their playoff seating. So that bodes well for the effort, although we didn't see it from the Spurs. I thought it was pathetic, but nevertheless, the Suns should face a difficult uh, final six games. I thought if they won and beat the Hawks on a back-to-back after going OT with Cleveland, and that's a decent flight from Cleveland to Atlanta, obviously, I thought that they would win the conference. Now, I think it's open, and it's right there for the Jazz to grab. I mean, they've got to win. They can't go 0-6, obviously. Right, but I think if the Jazz beat the Nuggets Friday— and okay. they become the overwhelming favorite. Just as, you're right, I think if Phoenix had beaten Atlanta, they would have become the heavy favorite to have the NBA's best record. Now I think if the Jazz beat the Nuggets, they become the heavy favorite to have the NBA's best record. Yes, I understand all that. I agree with that. And the, the good thing from the Jazz perspective is I don't think it's necessary. I think two and health is absolutely fine. So Sure, but get- what if you could get one in health? Great, great. Go get it. Go right. get it. Yeah, go get it. I've got no problem with that. But I'm saying if, for whatever reason, it does not happen, it's not the end still of the world. A, yeah. Well, it's not just not the end of the world. It's in a. They're still in a great position, well, and they're getting as long as they get the two guys back healthy. Yeah. Well, there's a scenario out there for either the Suns or the Jazz where they end up the two seed, and they still end up with home court advantage in every round. Because these two might not both make it to the conference final. Obviously. And it's literally the only team, because we're, we keep talking about the West, because that's what we focus on, but we're deep enough into the season now that these two teams are going to have the two best record in the NBA. Whoever they get when they get to the NBA Finals, if they get to the NBA Finals, they'll have a better record than Brooklyn or Milwaukee or uh, whoever, turn, Philly, uh, Atlanta, if they turn out to do it. Uh, it doesn't matter. They'll have a better record. It does so. not, no. And that's a, the Jazz are in a great spot right now as long as these two guys come back healthy and really have an opportunity because I think that they're veteran guys. They know what they're doing. The system is there. These guys fully understand it. Uh, and so I'm excited for the possibilities. It's why I made the statement this morning, and I feel like it's accurate, at least for me, is that this entire season, in the 2021 season, I've never felt more confident about the playoff success of the Jazz than I do right now today. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Time to hear what you have to say about today's topic. The Jazz are back in first place. All alone, one game in front of the Suns. Six games left in the regular season. Is all well? Yes. No, Tricky Tanner says. You're wrong, Tricky Tanner. It ain't over till it's over. Tricky Uh, T is going to sweat it to the bitter end. Another thing, moving in jazz players' advantage, Chris Paul is getting older. He's 36 years old today. Yeah, it feels weird to talk about that, but uh, you just can't ignore, and he doesn't because you say you just saw a story with him about this where he was talking about uh, the multiple injuries he suffered in the playoffs. Some are freaky weird when you break a finger getting your hand caught in someone's jersey. 
that's just weird and there's nothing you can do about it. It happens. Uh, but then the hamstring injuries, you're like, wow, oh, he's played. We, we keep talking about it. Every time we check a box score this year, he's playing so many minutes, such heavy usage. Is he yeah. really going to hold up? Are his hamstrings going to hold up through the playoffs? Well, I hope so for his sake. Yeah, but uh, you have to wonder, yeah. And that, that's a great thing about it, man. When we get to this postseason in the West, you can just question – the questions will vary, but every team has as a question, if not multiple questions. Yes, and so many of them right now center on health. There are a lot of star players who are in a gray area as far as are they 100% ready for the grind of the playoffs? Can you absolutely say yes to Kawhi? Can you absolutely no. say yes to LeBron? Can you absolutely say yes to the two Jazz guys who are out now? You might feel like you probably can in some of their cases, in yeah. others, not at all. Don't forget and, Luke Kennard, man. Yeah, see? Okay. And then uh, and then you just got, well, our guy's going to perform. At what level will Paul yeah. George perform? At what level will Jazz and Suns players who haven't been to a conference final perform if they get there? Will they be ready for the big stage? Now, maybe that's canceled out to a certain degree if they're playing each other. <laughs> That kind of removes some of that. Uh, let's see. Other people, uh, Jazz are back in first place with six two games to go. Is all well. And uh, Leroy, all is well that ends well. Ask me in six games. Doesn't want to walk out at the edge of that limb yet. Not willing to do it. Okay, well, Leroy, we'll get you back in six games. Jonathan says, let's beat the Nuggets on Friday. Then we can assess how we feel. Jonathan doesn't want six games, but he just wants one more. A win over the Nuggets, and sounds like he's ready then to say, sweet, one seed, overwhelming favorites in the first round, feeling good. That's a nice game, because the Nuggets are who they are right now with their injuries, and Murray's not coming back, and they said Barton was out for an extended period, so I don't know that he's going to be back. So the Nuggets, this is the Nuggets team. It's not the Jazz team, but it looks like this is the Nuggets team. And who knows, these two teams could play each other in the postseason. They had a whale of a series last year, obviously. And so maybe the Nuggets might want to send a little bit of a message to the Jazz. Okay, we don't have our guy who threw in 50 points, uh, but we're still pretty good. And look what we did the last time we played you. In your building, when you had 6,642 fans. And so, you know, you're looking for a little more intrigue and all that stuff. And I think tomorrow night has one, has has a game that has some uh, a little bit of intrigue beyond the normal. Not only do I think that's true, and it is for all the reasons you list, I think in addition to that, I think the Nuggets are busy sending a message to the whole league. You don't lose somebody as good as Murray, and then go 10-2 and two in your next 12 games if you don't have a little bit of resolve and you're trying to send a message to everybody. Believe it, we're still taking people down. And Michael Porter Jr. knows people questioned him and whether he can lock in and be the guy night after night. And yeah. he's, he has scored in bunches in some games this year. Bunches! Yes. <laughs> bunches! And so, as uh, you know, and, and, and everything runs through the Joker, right? He's the guy. But you still got to have second and third guys who can play at a really high level. And Michael Porter Jr. seems determined yeah. to perform enough to shut up the detractors. And you talk about the yoke man. He outscored, I think he had double what the Knicks had in the first quarter. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he, he had 24 and the Knicks had 12. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and the rest of his team had ten. There were he had twenty four points, and there were forty six points scored in the quarter. Everybody else on the court had twenty two, and the Joker had twenty four. Everybody else on both teams off the charts. Uh, words of wisdom. Jazz are back in first place with six games to go. All is well? Yes! Exclamation point. It's been a hell of a season! Exclamation point. A couple years ago, I would have never thought first or second was possible. Exclamation point. So, words of wisdom is fired up. Exclamation point. Right? I thought that uh, second place was possible this year. I did not think first. DJ and PK, we're out of here. Hans and Scotty are next. See ya.